Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. And so before I introduce my wife, Pastor Trina, Monday morning, just gone, I woke up and my first thought when I woke up was this. I asked myself, I wonder if Trina has a word for this Sunday. Now I was rostered on to preach today. So as we were talking that morning, just talking about what we're going to do that day, and I said, hey, I'm just wondering, do you have a word for this Sunday? And she laughed, and she goes, oh my gosh, of all the questions you could have asked me. She said, all morning I've been writing, 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 taking notes, taking notes while she's at the gym, and she's, she's saying, this would make a great message. And so she laughed, I laughed, and I'd like us to give Pastor Trina a great big hand. I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say today. God bless you, honey. Woo-hoo. He didn't tell the other part of the story, which is I actually said, now, God, I'm not going to tell Jason that you've given me this word because I really don't want to do it. So if he asks me, <laughs> if he asks me, then I will do it. Next minute he rings me. I'm at the gym and I had to keep putting, picking my phone up and write, um, sending myself texts because God was speaking to me and I sent it to myself in text. That's how I do it at the time. And then I'm thinking, and I actually said that in my heart. So when he rang me, that's why I laughed because I was like, oh God, you just never let me away with anything. So then he asked me and I said, oh, I knew you were going to ask me. I just knew you were going to ask me. But anyway, here I am. And I do believe that it's a word that God put in my heart because I was at the gym. I wasn't necessarily thinking about God in that moment. So if you don't like it, you can blame God because <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be on to preach and I didn't want to do it. So there you go. But I want to say to you this morning, how do you see your church, church? How do you see it? Do you see this place full of people? Do you see the new building that we're raising funds for? Do you see that building in your, with your spiritual eyes? I want to encourage you to believe, believe for more. Believe. You know what I am deliberately and intentionally doing? And I'm excited because the place looks so full. I've been visualising this place um, brimming to overflowing during the week and praying into that. I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you to believe for miracles. Do you know that we have right now a beautiful lady sitting in the second back row who has had an absolute miracle in our church? And I want Marg, come on Marg, quick, run down. So Marg has had a miracle. Come on Marg, come on down. <laughs> What's that show? The price is right. Come on down, Marg. That's it. That's it. So Marg has had a miraculous healing um, from tumours, from cancerous tumours. So what is the latest, Marg? The tumours are now non-measurable. The oncologist doesn't think it's a God thing. He thinks it's all medicine, but we know better. Um, It's a cancer that was classed as... Um, you couldn't, no cure for it, but, and it came back a second time, but God did that, I'm sure, to show us that that I needed to keep my faith, because I had got a bit wishy-washy about it, thinking, oh yeah, it's done, and I didn't keep thanking God for it. Anyway, when it came back, they were everywhere and on my liver, but yeah. 
It, it strengthened my face so, so much with a lot of prayer, a lot of support from church and family and all the prayers. Yeah, and yeah. It's great. Isn't that wonderful? So good. Non-measurable. They are non-measurable. Now, that's a miracle. Thank you, Marg. God bless you. But, you know, I remember when Marg, I don't know if you remember it, but I do, when you came out uh, for prayer, the first time you got the first diagnosis, and I just remember it. It still uh, sticks in my mind that I just really felt faith, the gift of faith rising up and to believe that you were going to be completely healed. So it's so, and I'm not saying that was my prayers, but I'm saying that um, this is the impact of our church, church, and of your prayers and of our faith in God. And this is why we are talking about a new building. And I want to continue to encourage you to believe for more, believe to be, I want to be part of a church that sees miracles. I want to be part of a church that's big. Why do, I, why do we want it to be big? Because we want as many people as possible to be in the kingdom of God. And, to, and the bigger we are, the more influence we have out there. So there's so many reasons. So I just wanted to start off today with challenging you there. But we're going to go straight into the Word of God this morning. And it's Acts chapter 9. This is the account of Saul. So Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, which is Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so the men who journeyed with him were speechless. They heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him, so he was blind. (laughs) That's what that means. (laughs) That's funny, I just thought I'd better bring clarification there. So they brought him and they led him by the hand and they brought him to Damascus. I'm going to stop there for a moment, but we're going to come back to the second part of that in a moment. But the title of today's message is The Power of the Pivot. I need sound effects. If I'm doing Pilates, the power of, I'd say swivel, pivot on the back foot, whatever. The Power of the Pivot. The Power of the Pivot. Subtitle, because you know I always have one is you are not stuck. You are not stuck. Adaptability, the AQ, adaptability quotient, just may be our greatest superpower, especially in 2021. Adaptable people have the ability to regroup, to rethink, to refocus, to clean their own lens, and they are solution-focused and forward-thinking. Forgiveness, peace, and joy can be found in having an adaptable attitude. So definitely a pivotal moment, wouldn't you say, for Saul in this story. This account, this true account of his first encounter with God. In this account, we see Saul was passionate. He was very passionate. He was very zealous but for the wrong purpose, 
for the wrong purpose. There's a lesson here for us, a note to self, if you like. Don't stay committed to your suffering. Don't stay committed to what isn't working. Don't be zealous for the wrong things. Don't be zealous for something even though it's not working and you, you're just wanting to make it happen now, but maybe it's not the right timing. You see, as people of faith, we need to know and recognise the time to pivot. <laughs> we need to know. We're going to go back to the second part of this story. Now, the other part of this story is poor Ananias. So Ananias was a Christian, and so God says to Ananias, and we're going to read from chapter 10, uh, verse 10. So there was a certain disciple... Ananias. And the Lord said in a vision to him, arise and go to the street, I love this, called, go to Straight Street, street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of, Tars, of Tarsus, for behold he is praying, and in a, in a vision he has seen you coming to him and putting your hand on him and he'll receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much he has done, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Basically, he's been killing other Christians and you want me to go to his house and pray for him? But the Lord said, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went his way and entered the house and he laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, he called him brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, also appeared to me and has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, immediately, there fell from his eyes something that looked like scales and he received his sight at once. And he, was, he rose and was baptised. And when he had received food and was strengthened, he spent some, Saul spent some time then hanging with the disciples. He didn't just go off. But he waited and he spent some time with the disciples. But then he immediately preached the gospel in the synagogues and all who heard were amazed. Isn't, isn't this not the one who was destroying other Christians? I love that story. So poor Ananias, he had a pivotal moment as well. He had a moment where he had to adapt. God was saying, go and lay hands on Saul, <laughs> this guy who was killing the Christians. So wouldn't you say that Ananias also had a pivotal moment there and he had to obey and to know and recognise the voice of God because you might think you were going crazy if you thought God said that to you initially. And Saul also, you know, he could have waited there for Ananias to come. He could have got his healing, his sight restored and he could have gone back to doing what he was doing. You know, we always have a choice. We can hear the voice of God, but we all, we all have a choice. That story could have ended differently if Saul, despite having that encounter with God, went back to doing what he had before. So don't stay stuck, church. Don't stay rigid in your mindset or in your cognitive bias, what you believe should be and what should happen. Because people who remain stuck in life, they tend to go down with the ship. You know, commitment is honourable, absolutely. We, we preach it, we live it. Commit, commitment, absolutely, of course. But we must know the season that we are in and what we are called to be committed to and what we are called not to be committed to, perhaps, any longer. See, it's important not to hold on too tightly because seasons change. 
seasons change. Determine not to be one of those people. Now, I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I've met some. <laughs> Actually, a lot of them are pre, um, people that I went to school with. You know those people that you meet and they go, weren't, weren't school days the best days of your life? And I think, oh my gosh, no way. And they're absolutely still living there and they're actually sad to be the age they are now because they think those were, those were the good old days. You know those people who are still saying the same things and doing the same things at 50, I'm about to turn 50, <laughs> oh my gosh, as they were 20 years ago. You know those people? Even with their testimonies of faith, they're, they're still telling you the same testimony of when they witnessed to that one person 20 years ago. Don't be that person, church. Don't be that church person. God is always wanting to give us fresh revelation, fresh vision for every area of our lives. And not just your spiritual life, but everything about your natural life that makes you uniquely you. I'm a pastor. I also teach Pilates. I also run advanced hair studio and fit wigs on bald men and it lays a treatment on the scalp. I have many things that I do. And, and God is a part of all of those things that I do, not just when I'm up here on the platform sharing a message. God wants us to stay fresh and vibrant and growing. And God is never stuck or at a loss. And so therefore, neither are we. You know, 2020 and 2019, let's reverse a little. And even right now, let's face it, some, many of us are in church this weekend because we can't travel for the weekend. But all these things that are happening, do not erase God's assignment for your life. You are not stuck. Even if you're in quarantine watching online right now, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit wants you to know you are not stuck and God still has an assignment for you to do. Never underestimate, church, the power of the momentum of moving in the direction of what God wants you to do. The power, this is for all the youth as well, youth, young people, the power of good Godly-led, God-led choices and decisions. Don't underestimate the power of momentum that comes in making good, God-led decisions and choices. They are like wind in your sails. They give you maximum momentum in life. And the deception is, and I want to share this particularly with our youth, because I know that any of us that have lived on the earth for a certain amount of time, have, I'm sure experienced this. The deception of making good decisions is the benefit can't always be seen at the time when you're making them. In fact, it can seem unfair, like all your friends get to do all that stuff and I don't get to do it because I've got to make the good godly choice. It can even seem unfair or not like much fun. And the same as, as well, with relationships, dare I go there, it can seem like, oh my gosh, they're just going out and dating this guy and that guy and I'm still waiting and, and I'm not making light of it, but I want to encourage you that it's worth it. It's so worth it to make good God-led decisions in all areas of your life. And if someone is not in your life that you want to be in your life right now, then trust God that he has someone for you and it's not that person. And if it is that person, then God will save them and then you will become 
married to them perhaps, which is what happened to Pastor Jason and I. There is no way, now listen, there is no way I would have married him or gotten engaged to him or it would not have gone anywhere if God, if I hadn't seen that God was moving in his life, he got saved first, I would come home from work and he would be sitting in my parents' lounge room talking to them about God. And it had, God was doing something in his life first. And then I thought, oh, he's not bad. He's okay. And then it went from there, not the other way around. So I just want to bring clarification there and encouragement as well that God can do it. God can bring someone from nowhere. I promise you momentum, which is equals when we're a Christian, momentum equals God's blessing. It can come in a moment. It can come in a moment and it can propel you in the direction of your destiny. You know, I remember, I'm digressing here, but I remember another young couple in our church. They're not in our church anymore, but um, he was waiting. He wanted a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Someone just invited her to young adults one night. It took one person asking her one night. And now they're married and together and she came out of nowhere. It's not like he saw her coming in the horizon. Somebody else just invited her. Boom, they met. That's how God can work. God can bring anything about in a moment and bring you into your destiny. But don't tie God's hands. Don't tie his hands by trying to make it happen. We've all read that in the Bible with Sarah. She said, sleep with my maidservant and oh my gosh, you know, don't make it happen wait for God, look for God, enough said. Perfection is an illusion. Another point I want to bring out this morning. Perfection is an illusion that keeps us bound by the container of life. The perfect life is an illusion and it's like trying to catch the air. There is no such thing as a perfect life. I was sharing this with some of the girls in my life group the other week actually. I saw this on a billboard outside the eco store in Dean Street <laughs> and I really liked it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what it said. It really spoke to me and I'm not promoting, I am not promoting veganism but this was one of the quotes, okay? It said, live a vegan life imperfectly, live an eco-friendly life imperfectly. It's okay to live your life imperfectly and a small change is better than none at all. And I really like that, really spoke to me. Because so often, how often do we forget that in life? And even, I don't know about you, but I beat myself, I can beat myself up a lot by not living my Christian life perfectly, about the areas where I'm weak. There's areas where I'm weak, there's areas where I'm really strong. You're probably seeing me in one of my strong areas right now, but you don't see me in some of my weak areas where I struggle and I can beat myself up about that and I really I really felt the spirit of God really minister to me through reading that billboard that it's okay to live life imperfectly because we will not live perfectly this side of heaven that's what heaven is for but God sees us in our weakness and he comes alongside us and he wants to strengthen us and it's not an excuse to stay there but you know what I'm saying and what I'm not some other great biblical examples of um, adaptability is really quickly I'm going to look at Luke 5.17 and another favourite story of mine about, um, I'm just going to read. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers there, blah, blah, blah. Verse 18, then behold, some men brought brought on a bed a man who was paralysed whom they wanted to bring and lay before Jesus. They wanted to bring their mate in so Jesus could heal him. 
Now, they couldn't find how they could bring him in because of the crowds. There was just too many people. They couldn't get their friend through to Jesus. We all know the story. So they went, because of this, they went up on the housetop, on the rooftop, and they let down the bed through the tiling into the midst of before Jesus. And then in verse 20, it says, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And, them, and he was healed. These friends pivoted. These friends were adaptable. They thought, we are not going to, we have come this far, we've carried him this far, we're not going home now. We're going to find a way to get our mate to Jesus because we know that that's where his miracle is. They pivoted their original plan. They couldn't get him in the conventional way and they found a way. Another note to self here, side lesson. It's vital to surround yourself with the right people. Surrounding yourself with the right people, youth, young people, everyone, peers, means everything. Do you know one great friend, just one, is worth more than a hundred so-called friends who want to give you a nudge in the wrong direction or aren't going to support you in your faith or in your destiny? Such a good truth. Ed Milet quote here, treat letting people into your inner circle as a privilege. It's earned over time and tested in tough times when true character is actually revealed. Such a great quote. I love that. Some more biblical examples really quickly of adaptability. David ate the priest's showbread on the Sabbath. That's a story in the Bible. You can look it up yourself. It's a bit of an obscure story. But the point in that story is... (laughs) In essence here, Jesus seems to be saying that obedience to God and doing what you need to do in the moment out of obedience to him is the most important thing. Not the laws that man make up, not the sacred cows that we feel we need to keep, but it's more important to be in tune with God's will and intention for your life than what somebody else might want to put on you. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. What about Miriam putting Moses in a basket in the Nile? have to protect his life. She actually broke the law by doing that. Now, I'm not encouraging you all to go and break the law, but you know what I'm saying. When you know that God has something for you to do. These are all brilliant examples of the need for adaptability. These are examples of pivotal moments that are mixed with faith. Mixed with faith that led to amazing outcomes, which I'm talking about breaking the rules by breaking limitations that bind us, unimportant limitations. What about Rahab that hid, hid the spies? She was breaking the law by doing that, but she was being led by God. I'm not talking about breaking the law. I'm talking about breaking mindsets. I'm talking about not being led by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. You see, you and I don't know what God will use or what God wants to use. So don't be so presumptuous at times or too quick to dismiss a potential spirit-God-led opportunity. I'll give you an example. I was brushing my teeth and I was getting ready for the day and there's a homeless man that I, this sounds funny, but I used to see him every morning at 6am before I went into Pilates and he sometimes would scare me because he'd come out of the dark, hello, hello and he'd want to talk, and we'd have a chat. And I hadn't seen him for a while, and I felt God say to me, next time you see him, I want you to offer to buy him a coffee. And I was like, oh, okay, God, whatever. 
I haven't seen him for months or whatever. Anyway, I got in my car, I drove into town, I was walking down Centrepoint and there he was. There he was. And I won't go into the rest of the story, but I knew that that was a God-led thing. I said to God, but I haven't seen him. And then there he was. Same, same week, I was driving into town and God told, put on my heart to go and visit a lady in a shop who I'd seen that used to come to our church. She doesn't come here anymore. And I'm not sure about, I can't remember, which is a good thing about me. I can forget the finer details that are good to forget. But I don't know why she left, but I know at the time she probably was a bit upset with Jason and I. I don't know why. I really don't know. But she left the church. Anyway, God said, I'm telling you that because it's a bit like Ananias. When God said, go in and thank her for what she did when she served in your church, I said, God, are you sure you want me to go and say that? I don't think she likes me. (laughs) And he said, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my heart and I knew I had to go and do it. And it was a bit scary because I'm thinking, I haven't seen her for years, right? So I went into the shop and I said, are you, and I said her name, I won't say it because we're going online. And she said, yes. And I said, I don't know if you remember me. She said, yes, I remember you. I'm thinking, great. <laughs> and I said, I was thinking about you. And God reminded me of all the beautiful things that you did. And I mentioned some of them, which I won't mention for privacy here. And I said, I really wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for doing that when you were with us. I just really wanted to say thank you. And I said, anyway, have a good day. And I left and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know why I did that. But anyway, Lord, I was, I was being obedient. So later that day, I had to um, go back to my car and the quickest way to get back to my car was to walk back past her shop and I really didn't want to because I thought I don't want her to feel like I'm lurking in the area. So and in the end, I thought, oh, don't be ridiculous, just walk that way back to your car. So I walk past her shop and I hear someone yelling out, Trina, Trina. And so I turn around and it's her. She'd come out of the shop and she was chasing me down the street and she said, you have no idea that you coming in and saying that to me, what that meant to me. And I was just like, I was, truly I could cry telling you about it. I feel so humbled because all I know is that God said, Trina, go in there and say that. And I'm like, God, she doesn't like me. (laughs) I don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. But I share that with you because we just never know what God wants to use. And it can be something so small like that. Saying, you know, she, yeah, anyway, for what it's worth, I wanted to share that with you. See, God, the Holy Spirit, he is our pivotal guide. He's the one that goes, right, pivot, do that, don't do that, hold, whatever. He pivots us, he leads us in the direction we are supposed to go. I want to ask you, do you follow without resistance? Are you able to adapt without overthinking? Overthinking. See, the more I thought about that, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going in there. No, that's, that can't be God. If you th- overthink it, you won't do it. Surrender says, okay, this wasn't my original plan, but okay, God, I'm feeling you're leading me in this direction, or, so lead me and show me. Or sometimes the Holy, you just feel weight. You know, someone's trying to push you to do something and you're just, mm, you're not feeling it. So you wait. The Holy Spirit says, hold, and you wait until he says to move. God is looking, church, for an adaptable army, an army of unshakable faith in changing times. Let's be real here. We don't know next week which state might be in lockdown or which one isn't. We're in changing times, but God needs an army of unshakable faith. 
who are adaptable. We need to be adaptable. Think about your own life. What shift do you need, do you think, in a certain area of your life? Is there an area where you need to adapt? I believe the Holy Spirit put on my heart that some of us need a mental pivot up here. Some of us need a spiritual pivot back to God. Where are you, God? I need to come back to you. I've been sitting at home in pyjamas watching online, but I, I actually need to step out of the house and plant myself back into the house of God. Some of us need an emotional pivot. Our emotions are everywhere and we just are, 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 we need to hold steady and allow the Holy Spirit to bring some healing. Some of us need a healing pivot, a parenting pivot, maybe in your business, in our work life, in every area. You know, I love what Celeste said a few Sundays ago. Celeste, God bless you for that because it's really resonated with me and stayed with me. She said with a smile, I loved it, God always has a better plan. <laughs> it was gorgeous. I love it. it. It's in my spirit. God, church, God always has a better plan. You know, and we are six months now into the year. Can you believe it? We're into June. This is the June long weekend. And how are you tracking according to what God put in your heart at the start of the year? Six months down the track, how are you tracking? Do a little self-check. You know, I just went to the women's conference, Adore, in Melbourne, and last year they couldn't have the conference and we were all in complete lockdown, like it was you know, the serious stuff for us here in New South as well. And I remember saying in my heart, I didn't say it out loud, but I said it in my heart, that, oh my gosh, I will never take it for granted again that I can go to that conference and I will make sure I'm there next year with bells on. Well, this year rolls around and I was all set to go and poor Deb, I was bipolar. I kept texting her 24 hours before, I don't think I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I don't think I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Because I'd had some, obviously my father had passed and I'd had a pretty big day with my mum, you know, closing his bank accounts, you know, all that stuff that makes it really real. And I'm like, I don't think I'm up for this. I just think I want to stay home and hide. Jason was in Melbourne. I think I just, I just need some me time, you know. I'm going to stay home. And poor Deb's just so gracious. It's okay, whatever you decide, it'll be all right. <laughs> She's probably thinking, oh my gosh. Anyway, the Holy Spirit reminded me of what I'd said in my heart a year before. You said, Trina, that next year you were going to be there with bells on and that you wouldn't ever take for granted again that you were going to go. Now, do you want to know the amazing thing? We just had the Adore conference. The following weekend, Melbourne was in lockdown. If the conference had been one weekend later, I wouldn't have even been able to go. But the timing of that was incredible. But I tell you that story because I want to remind you and encourage you that if you've made it a commitment at the start of the year in your heart and you haven't done it yet, it's not too late. Well, only in June, there's still six months of the year to go and there's still much more of your life past this year to go. So just make a start now. If there's something that God put in your heart to do or not to do, it's not too late to start. Maybe for you it was coming back to church at least twice a month, setting foot in the building. Maybe it was writing a book. Maybe it was starting a new business or a new project. Maybe a new tithing slash savings plan that you felt you should, you know, start. I'm coming to a close very soon, but in Judges 5-7, I love this. We were reminded of it at the conference. It's a story of Deborah, and I'm not going to read any more Bible stories to you. 
Um, you can read that in your own time. But I love um, that Deborah knew who she was and who, what she was called to do. And I love in verse 7, if it's up there, <laughs> she says this about herself. I joked with Georgie about this at the conference. I said, I think this statement is like a, an old, olden day selfie. <laughs> like, you know, they didn't have phones to take selfies back then. So instead, she said about herself, instead of taking a selfie at the scene, she said, village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. She talked about what she did for God. I thought that was gorgeous. A mo- an olden day selfie. She says it about herself. I arose. Was she being up herself? No. Was she being vain? No. But rather, she was declaring God's outworking through her obedience. It's okay to do that. It's okay to say, oh, God called me to do that and I did it. She was standing strong in who she was by doing what God had called her to do. You know, church, eternity is calling you. It calls you and it's calling out what God has put into your heart. Romans 8.14 says this, Those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to release the gifts and the purposes that are within you. You are not stuck. You are not stuck. And I asked Julie for permission, but who knew Julie is the queen of ceramics, I would encourage you to have a look at some of her work. Now, Jules worked at the school for how many years? 21 years she was in the office doing an office job. Now, she ended up suddenly having to leave that job. It wasn't the timing that you had wanted, was it, Jules? But who knew that within Jules was this beautiful gift of ceramics and Julie is being commissioned by people to make certain pieces for her and they're being flown over across Australia. So God knows what he has put in your heart, church, what he has put in your heart. And now that's like financially lovely as well. God's blessing on that. So it's so good. So it all comes down to this. Be careful how you see and be careful how you hear because how you see is what you will see. And how you hear is what you will hear. Sila. <laughs> clean, we must clean our own lens and tune our own hearing. Either God is present in this world and his Holy Spirit is present to lead you in your life or he isn't. Sooner or later, we all have to come to that moment of surrender where we know that he is. Jacob said this, I love it in the scripture, when he saw the ladder between heaven and earth and angels going up and down, he said, surely God was always with me and I didn't know it. This is the revelation of true conversion. The truth is, church, that God's presence to you is is as available to you as your breath. As every breath that you breathe, God's presence is with you. And so as you journey through your life, And when things may not seem to go the way that you thought they ought to go, look for God. Do you know, look for God in the mist plane, in the flat tyre. He's there. Look for God in the disappointments or the delays. There's always a reason. There is always a reason. God says he works all things together for our good. There is always a reason. Look for God. Be adaptable. Recognise. Pivot if you must onto the unfamiliar path into the new season. Your heavenly life is to be lived now and in the afterlife, but now as well. We're not waiting. There's a, there's a funny saying that heaven is, 
heaven all the way to heaven and hell is hell all the way to hell. But some people think the opposite. They think it's hell all the way to heaven. I just got to grit it out now until I get to heaven. No, it's not supposed to be like that. God wants you to live now in freedom and in life. And he wants you to fulfill his plan for your life. So allow him to show you and lead you and allow his divine hand to lead and guide you always. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.